Hardly Hoodly Podcast Arenas. Today I have the first repeat podcast that I've done so far with my good friend Philip Halton, editor in chief of Goblin Skateboarding Magazine, entrepreneur, boat builder, and now a stoic monk who's got a bald head and lives in the mountains of Rathmines. This is a serious chat. We're discussing Stoic philosophy, particularly the big three Stoic thinkers, Epictetus, Seneca, Marcus Aurelius, talking about their ideas and how they've impacted us, talking about religion, about the need for philosophy, about self-development, about standing up to tyranny. This basically ticks all the boxes. So I hope you enjoy it. Bo. So welcome back to the show. Yeah, you're the first person I've talked to in over eight weeks since I decided to become a monk. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I definitely I feel quite the same way myself. I haven't been, uh, although I was down in Dublin at the weekend doing a heavy amount of socialising, which I probably shouldn't have been doing. But um, um, Yeah, it's you naughty bastards causing all the problems. Exactly. You know? Bringing the virus down <laughs> south illegally. If there's any COVID inspectors listening to this, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, uh, <laughs> I actually just seen the news before I came up here and... Uh, yeah. There's a new uh, rat hotline for Donegal, supposedly, because Ooh. they're uh, they're super bold up there that they've they set up a hotline for you to rat out your neighbours. If that isn't to, to just uh, go and tell on people, yeah, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty George Orwell shit. But I mean, yeah, that that's one way to absolutely fall out with your neighbours for the next thirty years. You know, yeah, you're not going to be super popular after that. I mean, today, so we kind of planned this out a little bit where we were going to talk about stoicism, and because yeah. I think we've both, I mean, speaking for myself, I suppose. I've kind of come to it in the last while, obviously having a tough time with everything that's been going on, looking for, to make sense, I suppose, of how to deal with difficult times. And I kind of discovered something else in it. I didn't really expect, I didn't know what I expected from it. I'd never studied Stoicism, even when I did philosophy. I never really came across it at all. Yeah. I'd heard of Marcus Aurelius, obviously, but didn't know anything particular about him. So I was kind of shocked when I started getting into it because of Donald Robertson to just see how deep it actually went and the that it's kind of a an entire worldview. So I'm interested on your reading of it. What is it that's, that you've gleaned from it? What is it that you've – because you seem to be inspired by it like I am. What, yeah. what's, um, what's doing it for you? It's um... – I suppose it's put into words a lot of the trial and error lessons that I've learned over the last mm-hmm. few years, you know. Um well, I suppose my my first uh my my first like understanding of stoicism actually came not from stoicism but from CBT. Yeah. And I found CBT to be really really helpful for anxiety and uh like in the height of my anxiety I just mm-hmm. stumbled across it and uh I, I remember I got a, a, a CBT for dummies book. If you ever want to learn the basics of anything and yeah. there's a dummies book for it, just get it because yeah. <laughs> like they're really, so uh, learning a lot about CBT was very helpful mm. for me. Now it's not until f- like much later that I've learned that CBT is based upon stoicism. Yeah. That's you know, sick. that like scientific methods that we've come up with in the last 
well, I, I don't know, CB, uh, CBT is only really stretching back, I think, about 50 years, maybe 60 years. Mm-hmm. Not sure exactly. But those scientific methods are based entirely upon stoicism. So when you read the literature, 2,000-year-old literature, and you see the similarities, yeah, um, it's you know, it's, it's That's it's really mad. what stuck out to me as well, was how modern the ideas were. Yeah. And how they were, they're like psychological truths or truths of how to live your life that are so much deeper than a lot of the self-help, self-improvement stuff that you get these days. They seem yeah. to be, they're coming really straight from the source. Like, because Marcus Aurelius, as an example, was a Roman emperor, had to deal with plagues, barbarian hordes, with like just unparalleled adversity that we don't really have anymore. And then you get yeah. the raw material of his experience. Um, yeah. And obviously that's been worked into CBT, but um, the philosophy itself offers um, I suppose a way of being that minimizes the suffering is that something it's, you found yeah and it's a very simplistic approach as well so there's not very much complex uh, mm-hmm. things that you need to understand with stoicism I think fundamentally when you break stoicism down there's, there's two points uh, and it makes that uh, there are things that are inside of your control and there are things that are outside of your control. And mm-hmm. frankly, you should only really be concerned about the things that are inside of your control because the externals are never ending. Like you know, there's a never ending amount of things that um, you could be worried about outside of uh, outside of you, you yeah. know. Um, and so it's lasted for such a long time, but it's it's it is a simplistic approach. And I suppose it's it's nearly like the layman's philosophy. You know, it's it's like a street wise yeah. philosophy or something yeah that's cool it, I, what you're saying there that one i think that was epictetus with the the sharp kind of divide between what you can control and what you can't yeah. and that you know the start of wisdom is kind of being able to tell between them but they yeah the stoicism thing i mean a lot of the philosophy i studied would have been what the stoics thought of as like librarians of wisdom it's about these theoretical arguments it's about semantics it's about how we use language it's very mm-hmm. academic, whereas Stoicism, yeah. as you said, is more like street philosophy. It's more like yeah, how yeah. to live your life. I've seen a Stoics be described as warriors of wisdom. It's it's very practical, and it's yeah. meant to be that way. And and actually, a lot of the Stoic philosophers, I, I believe in, in ancient Rome, they were almost looked down upon, funny enough, because mm-hmm. at the time... Uh, a thing called rhetoric was the big, you know, yeah. was, was the main sort of philosophy. And what rhetoric was really was essentially learning uh, from a book quotes and uh, and regurgitating them to try and look wise. But so not basically what everybody's wise. doing on Instagram. Exactly, yeah. So social media today would be, um, well, I suppose you call them sophists. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but it is, it's rhetoric. And the mm-hmm. idea is that you are, you're never really learning or putting into practical use yeah. the ideas that you're spouting. And mm-hmm. that's, yeah, you can see that online. Without doubt, and yeah, then, those sophists—they kind of used language to get to convince people of things. Oftentimes, that they look smart or that they were yeah. always trying to win the crowd over, so they were always saying what people wanted to hear. Exactly, exactly. It was very much a, a virtue signaling, yeah, <laughs> exercise, right? And yeah. and there's a funny thing now. I've picked up farming in the last couple of months, yeah. Uh, and here's a funny quote that I came across. I think it was from Epictetus mm-hmm. that uh, if cattle had opinions. They would laugh at anyone interested in anything but the grass, and that that that's quite funny to me because I just think that you know if you're not mm-hmm. towing the line of bullshit yeah. online, 
yeah. uh, you know, you're almost laughed at. It's like, well, who the fuck wants to listen to you? This person's talking about nuance and, uh, yeah. you know, balance between certain difficult mm-hmm. topics. Fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know? it's all one side or the other, like kind of yeah. extreme. But the Stoics are like really plain spoken. That seemed to be a big thing for them was like not getting too up on a high horse. No. The whole no. memento mori, you know, remember you'll die. You're just a man in the end of the day. Exactly. Aurelius, who was an emperor, you know, with every possible advantage that you could have, and he still, you know, studied every day and had this kind of mentality of that he was just a a very simple human. Yeah, it it was meant to break down, uh, like things are meant to be broken down as simple as possible. And this is the real, like there is no pretentiousness really built into Stoicism. It is very, very simplistic and it's meant to be that way as well but i I think the difference when you uh, read aurelius the difference is he had a very beautiful way of putting thoughts Mm -hmm. together like analogies and and when you like when you read his his text it's uh it's very easy to um envision what he's saying i always love the uh the sort of analogy he made with a stream i really like that in and, and it's such a beautiful way to put it in that if you were to throw mud into a stream what would actually happen is a stream would just break it down and then quickly return to uh, to its natural state, let's say, and, and return to uh, providing clean water with no asking for anything in return. And I th- so when you look at like stoicism, the idea is that, okay, well, you get impressions and what impressions are, they're kind of like automatic responses to, um, to situations that happens. You know, someone honks the horn at us and we get a fright and that's completely natural and it's supposed yeah. to happen. However, like what a Stoic would see is, or what a Stoic would be able to do, let's say, or the wise man would be able to do is quickly bring that back on, under control and mm-hmm. sort of a, quickly rationalize that it's nothing to be afraid of. It's just a horn. Yeah. And it would also not, you know, it would also make you uh, not jump to, to jump, jump to the conclusion to get yeah. quite angry uh, at the person who might've, uh, you know, who might've done it. And then, and, and, and so it's, he is he's a very beautiful way of words i think when you read aurelius uh he is such a cool character and so impressive that you can't help but sort of fall yeah it's that that really struck me about like that your first reactions not being your own i mean a person beeping the horn at you is one thing but then like dying of the plague with (laughs) everybody kind of all your loved ones around you and then a civil war erupting because of your death and you know your family are going to be killed for power and still maintaining this kind of sensibility of being like, well, I'm not going to make it worse by freaking out about it. I'm not going to add, you know, uh, as I think it's a quote from him or it might be Epictetus, but it's like, don't add a second story to your suffering by thinking about it loads or by worrying about your suffering. Yeah, yeah, because uh, again, they also um, are quite heavy on the idea of death, and they would say that there's yeah. no reason to fear death, but there's reason to fear the fear of death. So, yeah, you know, the the scary like death is is kind of indifferent to them. You know, like mm-hmm. they would see, like to them, there's there's three things: there's good, bad, and indifferent, and uh, yeah. only really good and bad come into play with your choices and, and mm-hmm. how it affects your character. Yeah. And things that are indifferent are all of the externals that you can't control. And death yeah. is one of those. It's mm-hmm. going to happen eventually. So yeah. there's no point in really, you know, uh, worrying about it too much. That was Yeah, uh, that reminds me of Socrates' quote that it was something like, death is just a person in a scary mask. And that the job yeah. of philosophy is to lift it up and see exactly. what's under it. But they must exactly. have, because I guess what I find so 
um, what I admire so much in it is because their lives were so fraught and surrounded by death. And so, you know, a lot of them died in very terrible ways. Like Seneca had to commit ritual suicide. Yeah. Basically because of Emperor yeah. Nero. So they were, you know, they were philosophers, but they really had to put their money where their mouth is. Exactly. Yeah. And, Epictetus as well, particularly. And uh, yeah. when, when you read Epictetus, uh, you know, you, you kind of bear in mind that this guy has had a, insane life and uh he was enslaved for many years but Mm -hmm. he was enslaved in in the court of uh was it in the ottoman empire as well or he was from uh, the ottoman empire he was he was from uh anatolia i think which is like modern day turkey yeah Yeah. but um Mm -hmm. yeah so he was enslaved but he was also enslaved at the court of nero so he would have been around a lot of powerful people and uh it's it's beautiful when you read him in that uh you know, it was never obvious to him that these people were any more free than he was, you know, mm-hmm. as, as a slave. And uh, yeah. the reason was that they were, they were often like, they were often enslaved by, uh, by the way that they conducted themselves. And, uh, yeah. you know, they wanted to be sort of uh, looked upon favorably by the emperor and, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, the conclusion that uh, Epictetus came to was that uh, even though his own body was technically enslaved, the mm-hmm. one thing uh, that he had in his own control every day as he carried out his tasks were his mind. He he recognized that your mind cannot actually be taken from you. It's the one thing that you truly own, not even your own body, because your body can fall ill and yeah. it can uh, it can it can it's essentially external to you. So on the extreme end, like that that was the thinking there. In, they kind uh, of yeah, that's one of the things they always that they I was surprised about that they put into the category of things that you can't control is your body. Yeah. As well as things like property, it's, other it's people's It's a funny one to get you. your head around a body one. You know, I was trying to think about that, but I'm like, well, I suppose it's true. You know, you really aren't in control of your own body. Your body ages, you know. Yeah. And um, illness as well. I mean we always like to think that there's a moral reason for illness, that there's like some sort of fable that you can say, oh, you did X, Y, and Z, and that's why you got sick. And yeah. maybe a lot of the time there is, but there's also that chance factor that, mm-hmm. you know, you just get you get sick or whatever happens. Um, yeah. It's it's not actually to do with you. I suppose they would have felt that quite acutely. Reading Seneca, like he was an old man when he was writing it, and most of his writing is about being sick and about bearing it with dignity. Yeah, rather yeah it's than funny, actually, because... Like the top three, I suppose, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the top three Stoic philosophers would be Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, and Seneca. And each yep. and every one of them suffered really bad mm-hmm. health. Like they, they yeah. their whole lives actually were yeah. uh, surrounded by bad health. So they had to, they were in constant pain. These guys were in yeah. constant pain. Yeah. Um, you know, so so they were obviously always trying to find ways to deal with it. I do you think the uh, philosophy was a way of dealing with that pain. <laughs> it's I think like so. uh, yeah. ancient painkillers or something before yeah. you had. Neurofen. <laughs> exactly. And it's the effectiveness of it as well, though, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because, uh, I mean, once you can have some control over your thoughts and your reactions, mm-hmm. uh, it, is the, it is probably the most powerful thing. You know, the mind yeah. is, 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 is extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, I think if you look at a modern day uh, a testament to that, it might be like Wim Hof yeah. or, uh, you know, someone like that who just pushes things to the extremities. And, and yeah. Oftentimes, I'm not actually super knowledgeable on him, but from mm-hmm. what I can gather, he uh, it's more about you know breathing yeah. and essentially being in control of. Cer- of I can certainly relate to it, even in ways that your misconceptions of things cause more trouble than sometimes you'll try and jump to a conclusion to be ahead yeah. of the show or something, or to prevent yourself from suffering exactly. some sort of misfortune. 
but actually that creates the misfortune because you leapt to a conclusion without enough information in the first place mm-hmm. um, yeah. and that avoiding suffering kind of runs you straight into it I think Aurelius has a quote of something kind of similar to that yeah um, and well they're uh you know, and and they're very easy. To, well, they're not easy, but they're they are. You can change those sort of reactions, and uh, you can put them. You know, it like the thing is like stoicism. Yeah, it's a practical philosophy, and it and it takes practice. You know, it is. Yeah. I suppose you can call it meditation, but not strictly meditation in the sense that you're sort of deep breathing and trying to you know get rid of your thoughts. It, a lot of stoicism is really focusing quite closely on them and trying to understand. Uh, yeah. okay I'm in a shopping center it's very busy a lot of people are getting close to me I'm kind of getting a little bit riled and it's mm-hmm. knowing that that's happening and it's like all right yeah. my I'm tensing up a little bit in my shoulders you're realizing that and you say but there's mm-hmm. no need to you know yeah that's uh, an interesting one the that I got from Donald Robertson as well because he obviously does the blend of CBT and the yeah. stoicism which really contextualizes it is it very well I think if you read the stoics anyway you'd gain a lot but I think through Donald's interpretation of it, you can it, it mixes very well to psychology. But even yeah. the worrying, like how your posture affects worrying, like if you're hunched over, mm-hmm. you're yeah. more likely to begin worrying than if you're standing up straight. Yeah, but, that's that's really interesting. <laughs> I think that's uh, probably you know it's like an animal trait within us in that if you see a dog or a cat whenever they're preparing to sort of uh, attack something, whatever they uh, or if, or if maybe they're in fear and they and they want to uh, like scare something off, they will. Yeah. You know, they're they're gonna. Ch- the first thing that they'll do is they'll change their their stature, and uh, mm-hmm. obviously, like stoicism is making the link all the time between the fact that we are essentially animals, but the only thing that separates us is our reason, yeah. is our ability to reason. You know, and also very much that we're suffering. They really have, uh, mm. you know, the whole kind of Buddhist life of suffering. That that's the cornerstone of yeah, it. That's time. really baked into the philosophy of being like you're gonna have all this adversity in your life. And you need to be tooled up so that you don't become bitter by it or resentful or mm-hmm. get made into a bad guy, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think their values are very interesting. This is something that's kind of attracted me. I think Stoicism's kind of become, it could be a modern religion for non-religious people, basically. It, it is. Could, it could I be, think yeah. It I'm has sure. that potential to be a worldview that people can kind of form well, a community around. The interesting thing in that is that the only reason that we probably have Seneca or Epictetus mm-hmm. uh, and Aurelius is that the Catholic Church actually adopted quite a lot of Stoicism yeah. teachings, and mm-hmm. that like the thing is like you know uh, like these were pagan time like these guys were were essentially yeah. pagans to, to the Catholics, and uh, they oftentimes destroyed very many uh, texts because they you know they were trying to mm-hmm. brainwash everyone. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but no, really. Uh, like the only reason that they even survive is because uh you know the catholic church decided to take them on so you kind of wonder how many guys that you might not even know anything about have has uh, come into the bible and has come into catholicism well yeah there's definitely interlinking that's something i'm very interested in really is the connection between those because where these guys come in i mean i think marcus aurelius was something like what was he 33 or 49 ad possibly uh he was after christ Yes, yes. Well, Seneca was born roughly around the same time. Uh, the I think he was like thirty-three BC or something. And he like was that, but... he was a bit past it. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but or... it's interesting that they come in at this pivotal time in history when you have like Julius Caesar has kind of destroyed the democracy of Rome, and yeah, the the Roman Empire is declining really 
and has been declining for a while. But well, I suppose it expands to its biggest reach um, mm. under Aurelius and then starts to decline after. But it's um, it's interesting that they're at such a pivotal point in history, but it's so connected to now. Yeah. I don't get how, I mean, why are we able to read people's words from 2,000 years ago? And I read Seneca and I go, holy shit, this is stuff that's like, this relates to what I'm doing in my mm-hmm. life. I yeah. mean, there's the the environment that we inhabit is so different and so much time has passed, yet there's these universal things that seem to overlap in it. Um, I think it's that, uh, you know, the, the saying that like, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes in that mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of similarities between, uh, well, I mean, the Antonine Plague was going on through, for 15 years when Aurelius was in power. And yeah. uh, I suppose there's an interesting comparison between what's happening now and that mm-hmm. what appears to be uh, America, you know, the foundations of America starting to yeah. become shaky. And uh, that was always... Well, this is so, yeah, the culture wars, I suppose, Mm. is something that has interested me because the return of Stoicism, I mean, Stoicism, like Socrates and those boys are the foundations of Western society. Like they're kind of the earliest. um, And a lot of people get interested in Zen Buddhism and Eastern philosophies and things, but Stoicism is kind of the Western equivalent of that. It's our original kind of. Well, if you could say R, I suppose it's a bit, maybe a bit far removed from that. Well, I but see it's, that it's 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 still quite prevalent in Eastern Europe. Um, yeah. You know, like I think Russians have a more sort of stoic outlook outlook on life than mm-hmm. uh, than I think America. You know, America like more more Western ideals mm-hmm. are are probably centered around materialism and yeah. And it's not that Stoicism said that says that that's a bad thing. It's preferred to have wealth rather than be poor obviously yeah. but not at the expense of virtue of your character of your character but that's right, the interesting because yeah. they always have the rival with the epicureans that's I'm right that yeah. correctly and yeah. their philosophy was something like pleasure exactly they were aimed at exactly. you know so the, 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 if you the can lie on the couch all day that's a great thing to do exactly yeah the fundamental idea was you know how do you achieve happiness and like happiness yeah. is the end goal whereas stoicism is is more like uh i suppose it's 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 more about um it's it's more realistic to be to be honest. Yeah, well, the end goal of stoicism seems to be very different. As in, it's not about avoiding pain; it's about mm. being able to continue despite being in pain. Mm-hmm. In a it's, way, it it, that, it it shuns excess as well. It's, it's certainly yeah. you know it's very it's, minimalist, very simple. It, it is minimalist and it's simple, and it, mm-hmm. you know it's like if you're at a dinner table and and uh, you know don't grab your plate or whatever it mm-hmm. is, and if it passes you, just be calm and wait for it yeah. to come back around again. And if it doesn't, mm-hmm. enjoy yourself still. <laughs> but I see kind of a dichotomy, a similar dichotomy, I suppose, in our culture, in that you have this kind of self improvement sphere, which is all about delayed gratification and then you have another side that's quite about hedonism and nihilism and about mm. you know excess and i i kind of wonder are we in we're in this kind of uh ancient greek phase or this kind of we're in a similar there's something that's drawing people to stoicism now i think and i think it's because it's yeah. reflected in this strange time that we're in at the moment yeah um it's definitely like it's like it goes in waves i mean Mm. i know the the popularity of it uh i think it increased around the 17th century for some reason Mm -hmm. um and then it sort of drops off again yeah Uh, there's all but the thing is it it has survived in one 
way or another like the, the teachings haven't really been forgotten now they have become more or less popular but yeah to survive such a long time you know there's some there has to be some sort of truth some in there there has to be something too. that yeah there has to be a value in there that uh mm-hmm. you know and and it's again it it isn't it isn't a very complex idea really it's uh mm-hmm. and, and the most impressive thing is that uh through the advent of science it's mm-hmm. proven it's actually proven its worth scientifically as well mm-hmm. like this is this is philosophy and this is yeah. really just thinking you know and thinking about like what is good and bad and stuff like that but the the teachings have actually uh come into its own scientific realm now as well you know and that it actually has the power to give you the sense of ease or sense of emotional wisdom the phronesis to tell the yeah. difference between what's real and what's not real what's good and what's bad um, yeah it's yeah it's I, again to go back to where it kind of came about is i think it's interesting that i was watching a bit on julius caesar lately i've gotten kind of into his story because it's just so i mean it's mental really yeah. <laughs> what he did in terms of taking over Rome and becoming the first emperor. And he kind of set the scene for the the stories after that and the other emperors, um, including Aurelius. Mm-hmm. But there was that aspect as well that of, uh, you know, might is right and that you wanted absolute power. And they were a giant empire, the Romans. I mean, they yeah. were the largest empire that the world's ever seen. And they had slaves and they had this massive kind of something that had never been seen before on earth um and how how this philosophy grew out of that i suppose is i do wonder about the relationship between the ideals of power and what the stoic ideal is which is wisdom and temperance Mm -hmm. yeah if you look at aurelius's example the moment he uh, was granted power the moment he became emperor he split that power in yeah. half straight away and mm-hmm. gave it to uh, i think it was his half brother yeah and uh, oh, lucius who was a bit yeah. of a party animal he was, he was a party going animal out and drinking cans and, 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 he, and he yeah and he died early everyone thought that he was yeah. actually going to be the long-term uh emperor yeah. because aurelius always had poor health but yeah. it ended up being the complete opposite that he was just drinking the bag out the whole time yeah and he then, died in excess and yeah. um you know aurelius he uh he, he's just such a, such an interesting character even in mm-hmm. that when rome so if you take into consideration when he's ruling so you have the yeah. marcomannic wars taking place like yeah. the northern frontier of rome is under attack by germanic tribes and they're yeah. quite fierce warriors they're very mm-hmm. impressive warriors yeah and then um he also has a situation of civil war uh at, at one stage along with the Antonine the civil play. war i think is so funny man that's like because they thought he was dead where he yeah. they thought he had died yeah. and then his wife immediately ran and hooked up with his opposite number who was the <laughs> roman i think it was wasn't cassius um yeah who yeah. was ruling egypt or syria if i'm not mistaken sorry my details on this are all over the place but um he was kind of next in line to the throne and she yeah. immediately ran to him because she knew her and her son commodus would be killed but then obviously Aurelius was still alive and he was like, what the hell? Yeah. Why, <laughs> what's it? You're going to just go off and hook up with this dude. And now, I'm yeah. fucking, now after we're at he, civil war, bro. Yeah. After he <laughs> just defeated like the most fierce tribe that the Romans ever came up against, you know? Um, yeah. I but, mean, talk about pressure. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Well, this is another thing as well. Like the only real written sources that we have from him are his own personal diary. And they were yeah. never actually intended to be used for, for anyone for teaching they were just his diary and and how he was writing throughout his days to uh 
cope with the things that were going on. And yeah. this is another thing that I've kind of, you know, through trial and error over the years, I, I, I've been doing that for a long time. So when I yeah. found that out, I really resonated with it. Mm. And it made me change my style of journaling actually a bit too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, I would occasionally write down in long sort of random thought exactly what it is that's going on or any problems I, I might be trying to solve. Yeah. Um, but I would also keep it. I've also had a daily uh, journal now for, I think, six six or seven years or so. Like I can mm-hmm. I can go back to copy books and open up a page and tell you what I was doing this day six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but his style of journaling is, um, well, it's very deep first and foremost. And yeah. uh, it's 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 just i suppose they're all coping mechanisms really and this yeah. guy the pressure that this guy must have been going through he actually sold uh the, his personal items to pay off the debts of 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 the of, of rome essentially you know yeah uh, he he took a lot of his personal belongings into a courtyard sold them off mm-hmm. and uh paid the debts for many many people you know and uh, i think yeah, that's this, part of the appeal of the meditations yeah. is that it is so personal and weirdly um you can empathize so much with it, despite the mm-hmm. fact that he's a Roman emperor from 2000 years ago. Yeah. Can, Stoicism uh, was never actually meant to have any individual figure as well, but he yeah. has, I mean, for me personally, he, he embodies mm-hmm. it, but uh, you know, the actual, the, the reason, you know, I think it was Zeno was the uh, founder of Stoicism, but yeah. uh, they changed it from uh, Zenoism, I suppose, uh, to Stoicism quite fast because they didn't want it to be centered around one person. And Stoicism, uh, actually just means stoop or step in, in yeah. Greek because it was taught on the street on a, on, yeah. a, on a stoop and the Irish equivalent to that is you know your your buddy's stoop that you might have a few beers on so there <laughs> that's right I think I, the, <laughs> the yeah well, I think Irish stoicism is is uh especially right now with people drinking outdoors it's in it's it's in full throttle you know most people oh, are man, just you drink outside in winter you'll <laughs> learn a thing or two about conditioning <laughs> um, but yeah. that's an interesting distinction as well in stoicism that a lot of people commonly think stoicism is what stoic usually means which is something like That's cold right. and unfeeling and like it's toxic masculinity stiff, stiff I suppose upper lip kind of buzz but yeah. what stoicism actually means is um there's a good quote that i like which is that man is made of flesh and blood not iron and stone or something like mm-hmm. that yeah their goal was to create men that mm-hmm. were feeling but that were capable of enduring the pain while staying feeling rather than men that were just going to shut down and kind of just grin and bear it. Exactly, yeah. Um, so that's that's the difference. There's a lowercase stoic, which means essentially would be what people refer to today as toxic masculinity, and then there's an uppercase stoic in that actually a, a true stoic would it's inter- be... It's like the difference between real strength and a facade of strength. Yeah, exactly. It yeah, always so kind of annoys me that people use the term toxic masculinity, to be honest, because I, yeah, yeah, I understand it that. kind of becomes people... People have this like that masculinity is like a synonym for being a big dumb idiot or something. Right. It's like yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. if somebody's a masculine man, they're like an ape with no mm-hmm. emotions. And whereas actually, if you read about Marcus Aurelius, who was a Roman general and emperor, who I would consider to be a masculine man, although he was quite ill health and everything, um, a lot of it is about telling the truth. A lot of it is about facing reality head on. It's about courage. It's about wisdom. It's about integrity. It's about living living so that you could be seen by everybody and not be ashamed of how you've yeah. lived. Yeah. Um, I think oftentimes the toxic masculinity thing is just an oversimplification of what is a stereotypical male who's maybe not certain of themselves and pretends to be something rather than Exactly. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be rhetoric in that sense. It's a, it's a false yeah. 
this false notion of, of, well, being, of I mean, being a, being a phony is a universal thing. It's not something that's uniquely male. Or maybe it appears in that guys, but often at times I just find it as a, if people use it as a way of demeaning men and what they're doing. Or, yeah. But I think it's important to bring it up because, um, mm-hmm. people might rub off the ideas in mm-hmm. stoicism as, Oh, well that's toxic masculinity. But yeah. in truth to, to, to kind of look at stoicism and, yeah. and kind of follow its, its teachings, you have to be incredibly in touch with your feelings more so than absolutely the, far, far more so than the average person. I actually think it's, uh, it's from, look every week you see some stupid video from mm-hmm. a different part of the country of someone doing something ridiculous. And yeah. most of the time it's young boys or, yeah. you know, I'm not even going to call them men. It's young boys. Like, you know, yeah. it's really immature young boys. And, yeah. um, they, you know, something like stoicism is, uh, can be quite a powerful, uh, teacher or yeah. influence on somebody. I, like, yeah. I mean, I kind of, like, again, I stumbled across this when I was about 18. I was, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's at a time where you're kind of at your most, uh, confused or, angry mm-hmm. let's say yeah and uh not knowing that it was stoicism i suppose you, it was cbt but you know the mm-hmm. similar teachings and uh, yeah. that had a massive impact on me mm-hmm. and i nobody i knew had any real clue about it or anything and it was nope. just it was whatever i was reading yeah on my own sort of time and trying to understand things uh a that's desperate, really desperate interesting because there i think there is a void there's a big void of um purpose for young men particularly for young lads that might be a bit more aggressive a bit more competitive and prone to uh, anti-social behavior there isn't mm-hmm. really any system to integrate them into society other than maybe the military or martial arts or something like that like because yeah. they need a system of discipline to give them control over themselves otherwise they're just going to be bad dudes and stoicism i think is is very aware of that capacity for evil in each person. It yeah. seems to be very much using wisdom to find your virtues over your vices and that that's kind of the adventure. You know, the mm-hmm. the quest is really to master yourself and so that you're, um, I don't know if it's necessary so that you can just be useful to other people, but so that you can be, to realize your potential at the highest level to yeah. master yourself. And there's no call to action for young men to do that. That's no. not really what you're hearing in a lot of places. A lot of the time it's like, don't be toxically masculine, but there is no explanation of who they should be. We exactly, don't have a very yeah, good yeah. positive. Um, uh, I, I, I see, I see this every week that I go online and I, look, I understand, mm-hmm. I understand a lot of the time where these things come from, but yeah. there isn't a day that goes by in a national newspaper where, you know, men aren't being slighted for something or other. And yeah. because there are serious issues, I mean, oh yeah, there are serious issues that kind of fester away over many years, you know? Mm-hmm. And frankly, it's, it's the weakness that can kind of get into people that, that cause these problems. And, and when I, when I say this, I mean like treatment towards, towards women or towards other people and mm-hmm. real antisocial behavior. And, it, yeah. you know, look, we do glorify that in modern culture. People yeah. are, are quick to forget that if you go on to Netflix, like what's mm-hmm. like some of the number one shows, it's all drug dealing and yeah. <laughs> and, and, well, you that's, know, and the pro- like that. that's a big, I mean, I wrote about that in that article I did, the how to save young men one is the duplicitous nature of what, like the plot of Breaking Bad is like school teacher, family man, 
is a wimp, so has to become drug dealer murderer, mm-hmm. and yeah. we all cheer for him. Great. <laughs> because that's like, that's an improvement. We don't, yeah, yeah. it's not, nobody likes cowardly people. It's not mm-hmm. a thing that we're actually attracted to. And that's fair enough, because if a person will let you down, if a person isn't reliable, if you can't believe in a person, it's very hard to have a relationship with them. But yeah. if you're to go around encouraging young men to be courageous and to be brave, it's almost like you're trying to indoctrinate them into a cult or something. Everybody will be mm-hmm. like, there's this suspicion that you're encouraging ambition in young men. Yeah. And, so there's, um, yeah, Jocko Willing touches on it in hmm. extreme ownership and the yeah. whole idea being, and, and look, stoicism is extreme ownership. It is ownership it is very of, much. of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's breaking down exactly, you know, the okay. The world is a very difficult place, but there's mm-hmm. no reason for you to blame it, right? So you can mm-hmm. take control of what it is that you need to take control of, mm-hmm. and that is as much as you possibly can. And with when you have that attitude, uh, your day to day, it's it's becomes a lot easier. Frankly, you know you you know you, you don't waste time blaming. You just take that because your brain has a limited uh, capacity mm-hmm. for energy, you know, a limited yeah. amount of energy. Even so, like if you're always if you're training yourself to put that towards problem solving rather than mm-hmm problem creating let's say yeah or blaming then that has a, it is it's a huge difference you know yeah. and uh I, it's worked very effectively for me i mean me from too. a management standpoint and that's an encouraging I mean, jocko willing's a great example of a guy that's encouraging young men and he's obviously a military guy he's a martial mm-hmm. arts guy he's a real i mean he's a hell of a specimen like you wouldn't be you wouldn't mess around with him um <laughs> he's yeah. kind of in filling that role of encouraging young men to take on responsibility and to do i think as young lads, you're kind of, you're quite rough, I always found. It really, you need, the stoic thing I thought that was really interesting that Marcus Aurelius encourages is to pick a mentor for yourself. To pick, yeah, you know, somebody that you admire and then to have them in your head and then to say, yeah. you know, what would Socrates do? How would what he What would this behave? person do? Yeah, exactly. And, and then I, I've apply used it to your behavior. Exactly. So they're all types of, uh, you know, practical, uh, mm-hmm. I suppose you can call them meditations, but they, yeah. they are, that's how you practice these things. Yeah. And I've done, uh, you know, I've, I've written out, uh, not my, like certain people in my mm-hmm. life and the things yeah. that I admire about them the most. And I would have that written down. I'd be like, you know, that's, yeah. that's an ideal that, that yeah. person's, my dad's work ethic and yeah. his kind of de- devotion to his family and like, mm-hmm. the, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I write that down and then, mm-hmm you know, this friend's compassion and their understanding and, and, yeah. and their calmness and stuff like that. Yeah. And then I have, you know, you're kind of putting all these into, into like a, a perspective, all these different yeah. people that you admire the most. And you're like, all right, that's because life is a balancing act, right? Yeah. Like everything that you do is, is a complete balancing act. And there's never, you know, you should never be on the extreme end of anything, in my opinion. And that's what stoicism, I think will teach you that quite a lot as well is that uh, yeah. there, there are no, you know, completely like, correct answers to anything mm-hmm. uh, it's all it's all a balancing act but um you know yeah you pick this ideal person mm-hmm. of who it is that you want to be and yeah. then you just you follow that you know you pick a character and you play the role basically yeah. yeah and that you you kind of what you admire about them tells you something about the person you would like to be it's like mm-hmm. a it's a a kind of an image that calls forth from you the best that you can be. If you could be your best self, you'd be like them in that way. And then abstracting it from them so you can have them in your head. But growing up, I didn't have anybody that I thought was like that. There might've been individual things, but there wasn't any adults in my life that I saw that I wanted to be like. 
there was no conventional adults that I knew that I looked up to that I was like, I'd like to be like you. It was always like, oh, it's a trap. Don't grow up. Adults are idiots. They don't get it. Yeah. So as a young man, you automatically fell into the role of rebel, of kind of antisocial, of not fitting in because I didn't see anybody that was actually encouraging as a young man, except my dad was very encouraging of me, but yeah. also he's quite unconventional in his own way. So there wasn't anybody for a long time that I saw in the culture that was like somebody like Jocko Willings is encouraging. Exactly. Yeah. That you could be like, Oh yeah, I want to be like him or I want to be, there's been a, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. There's a big I, I think void, you can, I think. you can find those guys, right. You can mm. find them virtually, but in person it's very hard. I mean, there's just, yeah. there, so, you know, and look, the more you know someone, the more you know their imperfections. So you, yeah. you probably get a little bit more, you probably narrow down on exactly what it is that you really like about them. Mm -hmm. And, and then you can also see the flaws, but you know, there's there, look, in my opinion, uh, I I read you know I read a lot of history. It's my it's like my pastime, and and mm -hmm. and I look at today and even during the, our lifetimes for the most part. And there's so few leaders that I can point yeah. to, real like true mm -hmm. leaders. And you know, yeah. uh, good leaders are very very seldom to come by. And, yeah. and that's why if you look at you know the Pax Romana, that was yeah. you know Rome for the longevity of its empire only mm -hmm. ever really had five great emperors. You know, yeah. And uh, you don't, in my opinion, see very much of it. Uh, in public figures today I, yeah. like there's no politician in ireland that i can point to in the last 60 years you know that i would yeah. say okay that's a real that's a true leader i mean you can look up north and i'd say john hume but uh in terms of our, our yeah political it always parties, seems to be so split up or something or like you can enter like for me jordan peterson was that leader really that mm -hmm. at a time in my life came along and was somebody with a coherent message that was like yeah. look you're you need to put yourself together you're not all that you could be yeah um, and it made me really think about my life and about who i wanted to be but we need more than that like it's not enough to have i mean that's why i like the stoics because for me they give some like historical continuity to the ideal like they came before religion yeah. and yet they're also men that lived according to these ideals and these values and tried to in their own lives despite all of the pressure and I'd like to see, that's why I'm so inspired by it, because I think that's what's missing in our culture is more of ideals and leaders that are living up to them. And that living up to the have. standards. Yeah, exactly. And not yeah. to say to hold, you know, to go around like, why isn't everybody else doing it? Um, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. trying to do it my own life and failing miserably, of course, and sometimes getting better and sometimes getting worse. And, you know, I just, I guess something that, I'd like to do myself is to hold it up more and go, you know, this is really useful. This is really, this is what I felt was missing a lot growing up. Um, mm -hmm. Was that continuity between the past and the present and between who men were and who men should be. Yeah. Because a lot of what has gone on with the um, identity politics and with feminism and with a lot of the cultural changes that have gone on in the last hundred years has just been like, don't be, like men were and that leaves us with the question of who the hell are we yeah what is the what is a good man you know? what is a good um, man and you know where do you find that and i think marcus aurelius is somebody who i've i think from is a good man as far as i can see i'm sure he did yeah some messed up shit but sure um, yeah i mean uh you know you're not going to be you know it's the equivalent of being the president of the united states no matter how good you are there's still going to be some bad things that are going to yeah. happen under under your mm. command and that well there's um you know no matter who you put in that position there's always going to be choices that you make that are going to have to be lesser evils, you know? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's what I'm thinking. I mean, in my head, I have this voice that's like, well, he probably had slaves and killed loads of people and, you know, they had an empire and all of this stuff. And you go, yeah, yeah and that's true. But we can tear down every single person. Like there isn't absolutely. anybody that you can't say, yeah, but they yeah. do this or they're like that. And well, I've done that for a long time myself. I mean, you'll be interested mm-hmm. in this. Uh, yeah. In this, in the Sapiens book uh, mm-hmm. by... Uh, Yuval Noah Harari, which is a brilliant book. I recommend that to absolutely yeah. everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he focuses quite heavily on, uh, you know, humans' ability to uh, to build myths, right? Yeah. And, you know, stoicism is very, you know, it touches on that a lot. It's, 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 we probably do that too much. But, mm-hmm. you know, all of our institutions are a myth-building exercise. And yeah. so, you know, we think of powerful things like maybe the United States. Mm-hmm. We might think of powerful things like banks or institutions of any sort, mm-hmm. right? But really what they are is just a build-up of myths. They're, mm-hmm. you know, okay, fair enough. They have a physical location. That's part, mm-hmm. that's part and yep. parcel of it. And then they kind of, they use this branding and, you know, it's, but it's all myths. And what you see now in the West is a destabilization destabilizing yeah. like these myths like that's yeah. kind of what's going on or it's and you know so you'll hear destabilizing the institutions but really it's um people are are kind of they're they're tapping away at what on it is. something very deep there very deep and yeah. very much what i'm trying to get at i suppose with all the things i've been kind of jumping around with that that the loss of a shared story that makes sense of our lives right yeah because when you when you um so you'll see it happen in America right now. When you break down these values, like the things yeah. that make America, America, let's say, are the sort of the, the leaders mm-hmm. that they look to. Look, if yeah. people were to start chipping away, well, Thomas McDonough and, and Borg Pierce and, and, you know, and so on, and, and yeah. they start saying, well, they weren't good guys because yeah. this and the third happened, you know, and it's not an excuse for people who have done terrible things, but yeah. uh, the the notion behind that is actually oftentimes to, uh, to, to kind of break this. Because we... Yeah mythologize these people right mm-hmm. so, so like the the idea of ireland uh in the last let's say century mm-hmm. um when fianna fall well it was initially coming together but when fianna fall really were in power it was to back this idea of okay what is ireland ireland is the republic of ireland is a predominantly catholic um whatever center right maybe uh mm-hmm. you know church conservative you know, church conservative uh country you know and yeah. and oh this is who we are and so on and so forth well actually like the history of ireland is far more complex than that you know yeah uh, you know i always I, I put this out to people who are quite shocked by this but i think it was about 70 to 75 percent of dublin about 400 years ago was protestant you know and mm-hmm. people think wait what well yeah look around at all the churches that you pass on a day-to-day yeah. basis the only catholic churches built in dublin for the most part in the last hundred years uh, we're built. We're built within the last hundred years after uh, after we we got independence. You know, because mm-hmm. um, it was a you know it was it's a highly com- Ireland's a highly complex uh, country. You know, if you yeah. look back on our history, we have uh, okay. You have the you have the Celts, the Gaels, and you have uh, Vikings and Normans, and Normans eventually become British, but they're also French, and then they eventually take over. Ireland again yeah <laughs> and uh, so it's like well oh well, they're old English and these are new English yeah. and and there's all of these different things all that's going really because that was something I talked with I was speaking with a Belfast playwright Jimmy McLevy on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago yeah. and we were talking about that like Ireland being a Catholic country and then now we're kind of just like throwing the religion out and being like okay mm-hmm. where do we stand a now? mistake but the problem is you throw the baby out with the bathwater and you lose. This is what I see happening in a lot of cultures like America, even, you know, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Say if that's the kind of cornerstone of the whole thing, if you throw that out, you're kind of like, what 
do we have in common? I mean, there yeah. has to be at least one thing that we can agree on for this exactly. to even be a place or to, yeah, for it to be, to exist. Mm-hmm. And if we end up in a situation where it's, you can't even agree on that one thing, you kind of just end up with factions and with different tribes with their own individual. Yeah, yeah. And so this is the really fascinating thing about humans in that we are all unbelievably similar. Like we, in terms mm-hmm. of animals, where there's very little variation yep. between us. Yeah. But we, we, we mm-hmm. highlight the, those small differences, be yep. it color of your skin or your eyes yep. or your hair yep. uh, or your religious beliefs, whatever it is. Yep. Like if you think of this, how similar mm-hmm. so many religions are, so yeah. many people's cultures and and a lot of the values are very very similar but yep. the small differences we blow up mm-hmm. into these huge like if you look up north fundamentally in the north of ireland what is the difference like you know you, you know people <laughs> well, people fundamentally it's about okay, the flags look, it's, it's it's about the, yeah, right, it's about <laughs> the, the flags. flags well you and me right if we were down the pub every other week we'd be yeah. getting along no problem but fuck yeah. your fucking flag and i'll die for that like you know yeah well <laughs> that's know? that's so, an interesting thing because it does have I mean, human belief systems and about how they impact our our conceptual world, like our experience of uh, feeling like that we're in a safe place or that we're in a place that we understand and we can act in is directly related to our belief system. So when a person threatens our belief system, it's not just these abstract ideas that we're kind of, it's our physical safety as well. It's the, And you're emotionally it's attached like to that. puncturing the space that you actually live in and mm-hmm. your emotions are controlled by your values. Yeah. So it, it threatens your, you basically, people will get their hackles raised up when you come after the values. And a lot of our values are inbuilt into us. They're to do with our genetics. They're to do with our, I mean, our a lot of our personality comes from our biology as well. And that yeah. also is, you know, and, an unfortunate fact that they're not our ideas all the time. They're ideas that we yeah. have because of we certain, have uh, we have personality and traits and that's why I think stoicism is interesting because I think it survived for that long because of that universal human nature that we share. Yeah. I mean, a lot yeah. of the things they deal with, uh, birth, death, you know, ill health, um, what you can control, what you can control, are universal human things. Yeah, they go outside of the realm of just culture. They're kind of biological and um physical limits that we have that creates a shared philosophy out of those that's why i think it's uh, kind of got some power now exactly and it doesn't matter if you're uh if you're gay straight black white Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter fundamentally the one thing that we all can share in together is the fact that we have our minds right you know and that's the most powerful tool that Mm -hmm. we have Mm -hmm. you know we can we can make any sort of nation state but yeah. it all comes back to our minds. It doesn't matter. The nation state, you know, it doesn't rely upon, okay, well, they have to be Catholic and they have to be Protestant and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. You know, fundamentally, it's in our own minds and our, our ability to create these myths, right? Yeah. So this is like, when you look at institutions, look at the most powerful things that humans have created in the world. <clears throat> like fundamentally, they're all just their thoughts put into action, mm-hmm. you know? But some so, work and some don't is the thing because ideas yeah, have yeah. consequences. So with myths you'll see like that was always the big kind of battlefield. Like at the time of Aurelius and those guys, there was all these gods competing and they'd mm-hmm. have one God would supersede one and it would be Zeus as the top dog or it would yeah. be, you know, Ares or there'd be all these different kind of cults. And um, obviously then with Constantine that became Christianity. So out of the plethora of gods that were warring with one another, there emerged, you know, the single idea of God. Yeah. As, however, as one principle. 
here's an interesting thing within the Catholic religion of what they did when they were trying to convert people from paganism yeah. is that they brought in this idea of a single God, right? But yeah. at the same time in the back door, they just brought in a load of uh, saints. So they're like, yeah. oh, well, these the saints. They're so kind of so. like the lower heroes kind of. Yeah, I mean, so they're deities. like, okay, well, look, you guys are so attached to these multiple gods and, yeah. the, people, and the gods who control the sky and the sea and so so forth. So yeah. we're kind of going to bring them into the back door. They still exist, but but only one God, right? You know, the rest of them That's really interesting because they did that with Rome as well, where it was like, okay, Rome is now covering all these massive cities, but uh, you're all Roman even though you have all these different tribes and everything where it's mm-hmm. actually easier to just make everybody romans than to keep them as slaves or try and control it yeah yeah um, um well uh, going back to that other point as well mm-hmm. uh you know when you have competing ideals yeah competing ideas and ideals right you know fundamentally the balance is the most important thing so yep. for every you know for you to have a left wing, you need to have a right wing those yep. two things balance each other out and that's kind of what creates stability of course mm-hmm. like if you look at yep maybe people who have tendencies on the left are oftentimes a little bit more creative and so on, but yep. people on the right are quite capable of actually running the institutions that can sustain those things. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so for, for apps, for every sun, there's a moon and that's like stoicism mm-hmm. touches on that within nature, yep. nature and the universe mm-hmm. is the only self-sufficient thing that there is. And it mm-hmm. acts upon balance, right? It yep. needs a summer for a winter. And it's all about, it's all about this natural cycle. And, and they believe that humans were capable of that through mm-hmm. ration that we were able to balance the... Yeah, that dichotomy between left and right is very interesting. Jonathan Haidt, who um, is a social psychologist, and he wrote The Righteous Mind, kind of goes into the differences there between people who are higher in openness to experience being more likely to be liberal and people who are higher in orderliness more likely to be conservative. Yeah. Um, And those personality differences kind of creating the political differences. But um, the instability, it's like the two, but they're two, like, by design, people... those people are different and there's going to be difficulties understanding each other because those personality differences aren't just differences in how you see the world they're differences in what you see you'll see this a lot with events that happen at the moment where people see they don't even see the same thing happening yeah they come out with different facts about the same thing Mm -hmm. and the problem is there needs to be something above that dichotomy that makes sense of it that can act as a bridge between them something like i mean honest conversation is is one way of doing it but well there's, why there's, would people yeah. have that honest conversation there's there's rationale there's, so there's there's look you can't in my opinion you can't have these discussions through social media i think mm-hmm. they're they're like social media is an entirely emotive based yep. uh, platform mm-hmm. right there's no room for nuance it is no. the loudest most outraged person wins the day yeah and uh, that's why i really i really dislike I really dislike it for any mm-hmm. for anything in depth. I don't like social media. Uh, yeah. You know, I I put up a video the other day, actually, just talking about the housing crisis, and it was mm-hmm. about seven minutes long. Yeah. And I was surprised that a lot of people actually engaged with that because mm-hmm. oftentimes in Instagram, you know, you see something that's like, oh, that's thirty seconds. Fuck that. I'm on to the next thing. You know, yeah. <laughs> like it's quite funny. So you, you you know, but people actually did engage with it, which is interesting. But uh, you know, it is a very short form um you know click based thing and it's clickbait or whatever you know so so it, it look if if the if the most of your conversations or interactions with people are happening online mm-hmm. like what is the odds that those conversations are going into depth in any which way and then there's also the sort of thing of there's oftentimes when you spend so much time online you have an information over you know overload you have all of these information uh you know all of these things going into your brain which you haven't kind of released or talked, you know, you kind of like 
I know all of these things because I've been reading and watching all these videos and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And you kind of want to blurt that out. And yep. then you take certain things that you've learned as fact and, oh, well, everyone would agree and believe in this. But yeah. It's not true. And that's that then uh, fuels your um, your biases, I suppose. Yeah, and the, the making of others as well. It's always very tempting that the bad guy is out there somewhere, that it's whoever is your kind of opposite number, that they're the well, bad ones. You know, if you're the yeah, left I wing, mean, it's the right wing. If you're the right wing, it's the left wing. It's always... Yeah, and, and, then, and then a beautiful quote, um, I think, is it is it Epictetus? I'm not sure, but it's something along the lines of you know, uh, in every man's mind, he's never wrong. You know, like yeah. we all, you know, we all we all think that we're right. You know, because yeah. we all have, uh, you know, because we rationale and we reason mm-hmm. our opinions to be right to us. You yeah. Know? So that's it's also, why. I think, it's that link between your physical safety and your conceptual safety. A lot of mm-hmm. the time is because you're. It's it can be difficult to separate the two at times and it, you can feel like because your beliefs regulate or your values regulate your emotions an attack on your beliefs can be an attack on yourself and it becomes very hard to have that kind of relationship beyond yeah that, well there's there's a beautiful like an epictetus quote just to throw out one there and yeah. like this one that really struck me and i, I thought it was very beautiful and, and again uh the most beautiful ones i find are always the ones that are, are very descriptive and they you can kind of imagine them quite well but mm-hmm. It says, uh, you know, when you point a finger at someone else, yeah. three fingers point back in your direction. Yes, I love, and I love that. that. One. I love that That's because any time yeah. that you ever throw judgments out at somebody, you yeah. know, often, oftentimes you find when when you when you're being judgmental towards someone, yeah. it's often a problem that you have that you're not addressing. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, I think that's something you kind of realize as you get a bit older as well, when you've kind of gone mad about stuff and then you've reflected right. on it and gone, oh yeah, that's you know a lot you to know, do with me is mixed up in that all of that. That's that's why I I, I really value the relationship with with sort of pe- older people, you know. And there's mm-hmm. the woman on my road that I'm quite good friends with, you know, she's in her eighties now, and we were out in her, her uh, on her stoop doing our stoicism session, you know? <laughs> and uh, and we we're just chatting away, and and you know, she was like, "Well, how are you getting on throughout? You know, it's been a year now, or whatever." And I said, "Well, look, like." If I, you know, if I'm not happy here, I wouldn't be happy on a mountaintop, you know. So mm-hmm. unless, you know, you can't, the idea, you know, we how, we use escapism quite often to be like, oh well, only if I was in this car, only if I was in this house, only if I was in a sunny destination, and so on and so forth, I'd be happy. Well, really and truly, if you can't manifest happiness in your current situation, yeah. the likelihood that you're going to do that somewhere else is, uh, I think, a lot of people find that when they um, when they move abroad. Uh, yeah there's a really interesting Seneca quote actually that is also based on that one which he's saying to all the letters that he's writing to I think it's Lucius I can't remember his surname but um that he's been traveling and he's complaining about the traveling um and he says that you're exchanging one life for another when the thing you are looking for the good life is available everywhere yeah you're going you're looking for a good life but you can actually have the good life you know if you're practicing it properly you could have it in dire conditions you can still that's kind of what the stoics seem to be after is to be able to have that good life in the face of yeah. adversity you know like it's foolish to think that every time you step outside your door you're not going to come across now you can mm-hmm. hope but hope you know is there to be diminished <laughs> but uh, yeah. no look you, you can it's foolish to think that every time you step outside your door you get in your car you drive that you're not going to come across a bad driver the likelihood is that you're going to come across a bad driver so instead of wishing that away just wish that you're able to deal with the situation like for yeah. you to it's a blessing to be able to deal with that situation yeah um and so that's with stoicism it, again it's so pragmatic and it's like 
yeah. you can take a bit of stoicism and put that into action right now or during the day and you yeah. know just uh over time then more and more you practice it because it's a skill you know it's like you know meditation is a skill conversation is yeah a skill, there were some you know? stoic tools i suppose that kind of touch on that when you experience the emotion you know separating yourself from it um, I don't know if it's specifically a stoic one, but you can speak about yourself in the third person. So you could say man is angry and it gives you this outside perspective on the mm-hmm. anger. It's not literally, you know, you that is angry. There is the anger is acting upon you. It's a separate kind of thing to your your own mind. And then how you relate to it will ch- see if it inflates it or if it actually it makes it something that's more, you know, manageable. There's a good one for worry as well that I got from Donald Robertson, uh, which is worry postponement. So it's when you find yourself worrying, you just go, okay, I'm going to worry about this at three o'clock today. I'm going to sit in my worry chair and that's when I'll worry about it. And you get it out of your head, like as if you're going to sleep and there's loads of noise in your head. So you go, look, I have to sleep. I'll think about this in the morning. Yeah. So you postpone it. And then when you sit down to have your worry, oftentimes the emotion is taken out of it. So it's not as... Exactly. Oh, yeah. It yeah, lacks the... Um, I yeah. think it's quite important not to reply to anything too fast if it's mm-hmm. of any real substance, you know? Yeah. Uh, because, uh, again, you know, when you... So your impressions, you know, aka your sort of... Your automatic reactions to things. Yeah. You know, if you get a serious message or something like mm-hmm. that, you're probably not in the right state of mind to reply yeah. to it. Frankly, you know, you're, you're probably going to reply to that with, with too much emotion to, uh, yeah. to be really rational about it. Mm-hmm. So I, I use this thing now. Um, you know, I've kind of, I've, I've been working seven days a week now for the last while and I'm actually quite enjoying it, but that also means that I have to be really careful about how I manage my time. Yeah. And something that I found very, very useful for it was a reminders. It's called alarmed, uh, uh-huh. this re- reminder app on my phone. And, uh, so, you know as the day progresses as it goes on i'm always kind of you know okay do this but you know i I schedule a time for it and then if it's not the right time then i'll schedule it again but i never miss it out and they're all uh, they're all very small tasks but Mm -hmm. they help me sort of manage things quite a lot because keep it organized well i'm a forgetful person as much Mm -hmm. as anybody else is and uh you know so but again it's like okay well i've gotten this message now and you know i'm not I'm busy right now. I can't really reply to this, but I want to give it the time and effort it deserves later on. So yep. I put that in for, I, I know around 6.15 in the evening, that's mm-hmm. when I'll have a bit of time to, to look at that. So it's uh, it's it's time management. And that's important yeah. to tr- to manage your stress levels because yeah. um, I, I've i kind of reverted now. Again, as as I'm living in my monk-like state, I kind of get up naturally at 5, 5 a.m. Oh, now. And, nice. And, and I, I love it though, you know. I've I've been the person who can, you know, I have to stay up until one or two a.m. most of the time. But yeah. now now I'm in bed, passed out by ten, and, and I'm up at five every every day. Nice. And it gives me um, that breathing space where no one else is awake to do all of the little small things that I have to do before my day begins. Yeah. And uh, everything else then is a lot smoother because I found when I was putting everything off until the evening, mm-hmm. uh, that I had already completed my day of work. I've gone home and I'm filthy i'm I've probably it's yeah. probably been raining and, and it's windy as fuck for the last six plus months mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> yeah. you know and and, and so you, you don't really want to have your evenings chock-a-block with stuff you can't you can get very and you, you know, have to be done before well you can get stressed out by that so mm-hmm. like as good as you, you can ever get at, at being stoic let's say or you know being in control of your emotions mm-hmm. uh there's always going to be ways to kind of, you know just be a friend to yourself really and, yeah. and and help yourself through the day that's a really interesting point being a friend here and 
Also, that something that I've kind of learned about from from Donald Robertson is the the relationship with how emotions create thoughts. Like when you're angry, you have angry thoughts, but a lot of the time we mistake that for our own thoughts. So you know, if you're really sad, or if your your thoughts will have a a suitably negative tinge. But you can start to equate those thoughts for accurate reflections of the situation or reality. So yeah. to actually interrogate yourself a bit and ask for evidence of these things, you know, if we're like, oh, I'm no good at anything or no good at this, you go, well, okay, let's look at the last 24 hours and be like, okay, well, you did this, you got out of bed, you managed mm-hmm. to do this. Okay, you did work, that's good. Oh, yeah, and you did this and you're doing that. And you go, oh, okay, you can build more of an objective picture of yourself rather than one that's just going to be flavored with the emotions and kind of actually cause more stress and more anxiety than it would. um, I I mean, I I went to, you know, I went down for my dinner this evening and the the news was on. I never really purposely put these things on. I like staying somewhat in the loop, but at a distance and, uh, you know, RTE comes on for a few minutes and you just think, Jesus Christ, how like they transmit like the worst possible things. Like there's no, there's practically no good story every night you know and yeah. uh i got yeah. this book recently enough and i really recommend this book um it's called uh i think it's top 10 global trends that every smart person should oh, know is that a uh, marion troopy yeah i think marion that's his name i've only troopy. kind of flicked through it it's it's more of like a i suppose you could call it like a coffee table book but yeah. uh, it's very yeah. good i and uh like look the points that it makes in it is that humans by their own nature often veer towards the problems because yeah. they and we've always had these existential problems, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's nothing new, like COVID yep. and stuff like that. It's nothing new, <laughs> yeah. uh, really. But uh, so it's very interesting. Like, but it just kind of shows that on on like depending on what you value, obviously. But mm-hmm. you know, more or less, everything is actually improving quite rapidly. Yeah, that's a really interesting one, man. Because I've been into uh, Matt Ridley is one of them, Stephen Pinker, uh, Bjorn Lomberg. They're kind of known as the rational optimists. So mm-hmm. guys that will. They look at the data and trends in society, things like 175,000 people being lifted out of abject poverty every day, um, no abject poverty by 2050, more people having electricity, um, more basically, yeah, increase or decreasing of goods or decreasing of um, difficulty accessing goods and things like water and food, less famine, less child mortality, and that the trends are actually very positive, but big problem is it's hard to create like a good clickbait article out of things <laughs> things are getting slowly better if you pay yeah, attention yeah, yeah. to exactly, the trends yeah. <laughs> um, everybody's like what no it must be the apocalypse there's going to be it's going to be climate change or it's going to be this or it's going to be covid or it's you far know, more exciting really isn't us. it you know but, uh, yeah i think we're actually skewed that way biologically because we have so much well, invested in our safety in- in, in the age of the activists, let's say, you know, yeah. uh, like how how should how should a person who feels frustrated by the system, yeah, engage with it in a meaningful manner rather than uh, just through maybe online activism? I suppose. Yeah. Call it. Well, the, I guess the big problem is criticizing the system because a lot of the time, uh, the system is so complicated that we have no idea. I mean, I've done sure, a lot of yeah. economics, and if you. A good book, if you want to understand economics a bit better, is Thomas Sowell's Basic Economics. And the problem with a lot of economics is it's really counterintuitive. They're not things that you understand by instinct because we're not actually designed for them. So a lot of the time we'll have instincts about things like even he makes an argument against rent controls. And you're like, but rent controls seem like an Mm. obvious thing. We don't want it to be 
too expensive for people to live places. So you put a cap on the price of it. And then he says, yeah, but then less people occupy the houses. So then you'll have one person in each house and people don't actually bunch in houses together. So it becomes more difficult for people to find housing. Yeah, so, we're actually seeing that in Dublin right now, funny enough, because there's, uh, there's these, very many vacant places. People all these want. unattended side effects and trade-offs and things that are yeah. that require very careful deliberation. So the... I mean, Peterson's idea is don't criticize social institutions carelessly. So the point is, if you're going to criticize them, fair enough. I mean, there's massive problems with them, but come with a solution rather than just criticisms. I mean, yeah, yeah. you are a part of the institutions. You're We're not going to tear the system down because you'll absolutely destroy everything for everybody. So yeah. why not actually improve it yourself? Find a better way, find a solution. That would yeah. be being a real activist would be figuring out a way to make it better rather than just complaining about what's bad about it because there's and always going to be bad stuff to, to take extreme ownership of the situation then you mm. would uh you would say all right so and so has done this and you know they, they think whatever again mm-hmm. in every man's mind they're they're right you know mm-hmm. to themselves like you yep. know so yep. this is probably the same same with same with you but uh yeah yep. you know it's again it's constructive criticism i mean uh look there you know that i see this online often um there was a situation recently within the sort of Irish skateboarding scene uh, mm-hmm. where there were a lot of like claims of people like doing terrible things to, to women over yeah, the last couple of years. Yeah, I've seen some stuff about that, about kind of sexual assault. and Right, and being, you have to be yeah. very careful how you sort of address those situations because they're yeah. very touchy and you don't yeah. want to give, like, all right, fair enough, we're in, I, I suppose I'm in somewhat of a, a, a situation or a position of mm-hmm. influence. Mm-hmm. I'm not an influencer, right? I'm putting that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. I'm not. Uh-huh. But uh, you know, you don't. There's a lot of people looking to you for like, well, what's happening, and yeah, and, and sort of guidance mm-hmm. in that sense. Yeah. They're very, very difficult situations to yeah. know even what to do on. They happen so rarely; it's hard mm-hmm. to say. And mm-hmm. look, the route that we decided to go with was, you know, we're going to address the situation. And, yeah. and okay, maybe the best thing to do is let's let's you know you absolutely you just have to be honest about it but then we mm-hmm. we were like okay let's let's get on to the rape crisis center let's talk to experts yep about what it is that, that we're saying and whether or not we should we shouldn't be saying this we should be saying this are we doing more damage or harm by leaving this out or putting this in and stuff like yep. that you know and it was very it was very helpful for guidance so mm-hmm. you know you need to um you need to really involve people who know what they're talking about in these situations. Like, and, and to like, take your time with things to figure it to be, out. I mean, exactly, a lot of the time yeah, exactly. there is a massive emphasis for people to immediately jump to conclusions about things and to mm-hmm. pick sides immediately. But nothing is ever said. I mean, any news story I ever hear, I hear it and I go, okay. And then I go, I'm going to wait four weeks until this is completely different. And it's something yeah, else entirely. Yeah. If, yeah. As soon as I hear it, if I form an opinion on it, that opinion is already going to be wrong because mm-hmm. I don't have enough information. And You're too close to the situation. But probably. also, it's just these situations are generally, I mean, it depends on outside of, I suppose, the skateboarding stuff even. When you hear, I mean, think about how many times COVID has changed. If you mm-hmm. formed a hard oh, yeah. opinion on COVID, yeah, you have totally. been wrong hundreds of times. <laughs> Absolutely, like, yeah, yeah. Every I mean, single um, day we're well, wrong more. Here, so. Here's a funny here's a funny thing with how quick people's perceptions will change because mm-hmm. I I remember uh, like my mom's a nurse and she's been mm-hmm. a nurse in the matter for forty odd years, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, around the early stages of COVID when we didn't supposedly didn't know much, although we, we certainly went into the harshest yeah. lockdown we could have, mm-hmm. it was it was not seen to be a respectful thing to wear a mask out in public because people in in hospitals needed them there was a yeah. shortage of them right and uh mm-hmm. 
And then there was a lot of arguments that, well, we don't really think that masks are going to make much of a difference anyway. You know, so for the first, I think it was for the first like five months of COVID yeah. in this country, you know, and, and certainly for the first period of lockdown, if you were wearing a mask, you were a fucking prick, like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and now it's like, you know, it's a complete and you polar have to opposite. Wear it. Yeah, and so, uh, I think a stoicism know, touches on that a lot. That I mean, that Marcus Aurelius quote, um, which I really like, um, which is about being wrong, basically. If anyone mm. can refute me, show me I'm making a mistake. Oh, or yeah, looking exactly. at things from the wrong perspective. I'd I love gladly that. change. That is my favorite, one of my favorites. Because it's the truth sure. I'm after, yeah. is what he says. It's exactly, and I love that. And so, so mm. this is where I'm talking about, or touching on when... When you want to have a form an opinion on something or, or yeah. really get to understand something, you know, look, Ray Dalio, who was probably the most, one of the most successful financial, you know, tycoons or whatever of the last, you know, couple of decades. Yeah. I've read his book and it's very interesting. His whole, his whole uh, philosophy for not just investing, but for life and stuff like that and so forth, so forth is to find, right, take, take a question or a yeah. theory. And mm-hmm. find the smartest possible people that you can find, yeah. and 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 kind of like let them have their say on it. Mm-hmm. And then after you've done that enough, you'll find that okay, well, I can't find anyone to tell me, who can tell me reasonably that this yeah. notion is wrong. So yeah. I'm going to go with it as a belief, and that's yeah. just science, yeah, right. But then also look at that from you know a day to day person's perspective of. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how to address this situation, be it in a relationship or or, yeah. or otherwise. Yeah. And if you're lucky, you have close friends who can, who are who yeah. want your best interests, and you can address these issues with them, and they can give you an outsider perspective. Because oftentimes, again, your emotions are too closely attached to problems, and you can't address them rationally. And that we're so you know? flawed. Like I really, yeah, yeah. I'm painfully aware of this because of how often I I find myself to be wrong about things constantly. And Absolutely. I think the best way of doing it is start with the assumption that you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Begin from the place that there are things that you don't yet understand mm-hmm. and that the process of inquiry into it is what it's going to take for you to get even a little less wrong about it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. coming in saying, I know exactly what this is and I've solved it and everything, um, is it, it's a surefire way to sound good and confident, but ultimately to have outcomes that you don't understand or that you haven't yeah. corrected for and i mean you can be well-intentioned and you can be you know you can have the moral high ground on the whole thing but then if it produces unintended side effects that are really bad um that's that's oh sorry you that's kind of off me there that's what you need to avoid i mean it's the outcome really that's going to be important not how flashy you were when you did it <laughs> i think that's what aurelius is kind of getting at yeah when you have the moral high ground can actually blind you to the flaws in your own argument. It can make you say you're all filled with emotion and you're thinking I'm righteous and I'm this and I'm that, but it's actually acts as a cloud to the, the flaws in your own logic. And it's not necessarily going to be the flaws in somebody else's logic. I mean, it is as well because we're all flawed, but what stops you from seeing the truth is more often than not yourself. Yeah. Um, it's definitely the, the the presuppositions that you have that you're not willing to let go of in the pursuit of truth. I always find that, you know, I get to know 
I know less about something the more I know about it. And yeah, what I mean by yeah. that oh, is, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like from like, I've been working in construction since I've been, you know, every weekend pretty much since I was like 12, 13 years old. And I've been working at it full time for like eight years. Mm-hmm. And I think I know something about it until I study it. And I'm like, fucking hell, man. How, <laughs> yeah. how was I so oh. wrong about this? I really hope yeah. I haven't implemented any of these idiotic notions <laughs> into, into a building. Yeah, well, sure. Uh, That's why Socrates was the wisest of all men, because he knew he, that he knew nothing. He, exactly, yeah. So, so he, yeah, he strove for the truth then, because if you think you know something, you're not going to... That's another Epictetus one as well, where he says, um, it's something to the effect of you can't learn something if you already think you know it. Yeah, and to not don't worry about looking like a fool. Essentially, if you, in the, in the path towards trying to understand or, or gain knowledge, like don't worry about looking like an idiot. You know, it's yeah. it, in Jocko Willing's book. Um, he talks about that a lot. Like, here's here's a guy who's in a situation of war, right? Yeah. And if anyone decides to kind of just you know not ask a simple question or whatever it is that could mean someone is likely going to die you know yeah. if if someone's unsure of what building it is they're going to what corner it is whatever it is like the likelihood is that something seriously wrong is going to happen now obviously day-to-day life isn't as crucial but if you kind of glance over things like that very often it becomes habitual mm-hmm. um and yeah. you know there's very like it's it's the simple things like you know when on a, on a building site, let's say, for instance, if you're, you know, mixing uh, cement for, for a bricklayer, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a wrong ratio of how much sand is going into the mixer by comparison to mm-hmm. cement can cause serious defects down yep. the line. Mm-hmm. And it's a very simple thing, but, you know, and, and you can, you might feel like an idiot. Uh, how much sand do I put in here along with this? <laughs> yeah. You know, and look, it's yeah. taken me, it's actually taken me years to kind of get that mix yeah. right, you know, no yeah. joke. And it's like, well, how long have you been working on this yeah. fucking build site? You should yeah. know that, but better off you look like a fool then than later on because that the, when the, you the issues later, the oh my yeah. God, the issues down the line are far greater. And, and take that in, into consideration from your day to day. It's like, yeah. oh, well, I'm, I'm not too bad. You know, I'm, I'm. I'm only drinking maybe twice a week or something like this. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, fair enough. Like, you know, go out and enjoy yourself. But uh, how how often that's happening? Is that really not starting to affect on your relationship with your parents or mm-hmm. the time that you get to spend with yourself even? And, and are all the hangovers really worth it, you know? Uh, and just again, to touch this on what you were excess. saying, I mean, about like that mixture of sand in building that house is going to fuck up building the house. And you think mm-hmm. that's like a small thing. But think how complex an economic system is of millions yeah. and millions of people of uh, billions of people across an entire global economy of all these things that nobody that's too big for any one person to understand absolutely and if you think you're going to radically change that instantly mm-hmm. you actually have some sort of kamikaze death wish <laughs> because it's like it's yeah, it's but- crazy it, it's there's a lot of stuff i mean the older i've gotten and the more i've worked you know normal jobs and stuff it's given me a sense of humility for how little I actually understand. And just what you said, the more I've learned, the more I've realized I don't know. <laughs> the more I'm like, the more educated you are, the more you realize you actually haven't figured out yet or that you haven't you can, grasped. You're completely clueless. Like, you know, you're full of, look, if you're young, you're full of ideals as you should be. And then you, they yeah. kind of get crushed <laughs> as you get <laughs> yeah, older. They get recycled after you that know? first shift in Subway. And then you go, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not um, a sandwich artist. No, exactly. Yeah. And I, it, you know what, funny enough, my occupation has probably aged me far more so than 
I should have. I mm-hmm. probably have, you know, I have it like with the shaved head and stuff. My appearance now is certainly somewhere in my late thirties, I'd say. And uh, the beer belly that I had before I kind of went on this monk like diet, I yeah. guess <laughs> it wasn't helping either. And that's you know, your it's, wisdom. It's, that's it's, your wisdom coming in, bro. It's it's, it's my wisdom early. belly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the wisdom in the belly. That's it. There's a good one Seneca said, and it was something like, "Wisdom is the only asset that grows." with time or something it's like that it Mm -hmm. it's the only thing that doesn't devalue it actually gets better the more you go on that's what i like about stokes as well because like the body degenerates you get fucking shitty hips and you can't complain about stuff all the time but their thing is kind of they're valuing something else they're valuing Mm -hmm. something like character it's the thing that you have like from the from the moment you're born till the end of it it's the only Mm -hmm. thing that i think you can truly own is your own mind and Mm -hmm. uh and we don't take care of it very well. I, mm-hmm. I don't think. I don't see in in modern in, in the modern world. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I don't think. It, certainly not in the Romans' time either. That they were very flawed. You know. Yeah. Uh, they mm-hmm. they were. They were a lot of the time they were drunk and you know obviously yeah. going to barbaric. Well, and we view it as barbaric. And, and, yeah, but yeah, um, murder. Like so, with Seneca is inter- an interesting one because Seneca is like an upper middle class person. Let's say of, of yeah. the first world of his day, two thousand. Mm-hmm. years ago let's say you know and you're like well i don't think that the problems that wealthy people today have are far are much different from from him you know and he was saying yeah. like really you know the wealth is is and the wealth and status is is futile it's not yeah gonna... it doesn't stop the aging it doesn't stop well he's, Again, he's a really interesting character because his philosophy and who he was are quite at odds with each other like he was that's so true he was the yeah. tutor of emperor nero who was i think there's a lot of criticism a that you can kind of take towards Seneca in that mm-hmm. he didn't he, he, I, I, I don't want to say he was rhetoric but I mean like here's mm-hmm. a guy who <laughs> all right Epictetus lived that life you know yeah and yeah. and so did Aurelius I think Aurelius mm-hmm. was the culmination of all of these like uh, all of this wisdom yeah. and and put it into practice but Seneca you know mm-hmm. yeah it's it's he was a, a bit of a bollocks like you know well I mean? he was kind of a professional <laughs> propagandist but um, yeah, yeah, when yeah. you read his work it doesn't come across like that which is really interesting it doesn't it comes across as very very um very grounded and very like yeah. so i i don't maybe i just don't know enough about him but i think he was very well respected in literary and literary an circles amazing writer man i yeah. couldn't believe yeah. it reading him he it's so modern it's shocking it really yeah. seems like like He's it's had a far influence. more modern than Shakespeare or anything, which is mm-hmm. you know, fifteen thousand years later. Yeah. Um, or sorry, thousand five hundred. Um, it's not that. That's like future Shakespeare. That'd be weird. <laughs> um, but he's he's so. Um, it's so relatable, similar to Aurelius, but in a slightly different way. But just the way he deals with it's yeah. It, you could imagine a guy saying it, some old fella telling you this stuff. Uh, like a wise guy nowadays would tell you the same things despite yeah. having lived and his analogy for the philosophy, which maybe touches on what we're saying here, which is that you always fall short of the ideal. Like nobody is perfectly wise. Everybody Absolutely, is yeah. flawed. And he, yeah. how he reconciles that is he says, uh, he uses this hospital analogy that we're both sick, but he's just in a different hospital bed, passing on some remedies that helped him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. I think yeah. that's, that's there's, really, um, yeah, there, I think there's, there's a funny, part in the epictetus book where he's kind of going on a rant to himself really and yeah. something along the lines of uh 
you know, there's a guy complaining that, oh, well, I've been sentenced to death. You know, and he says, well, haven't the rest of us, like, you know, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's a deal. Like, oh, nice one, Epictetus. Thanks, bro. <laughs> I yeah. have to go die now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was, it's such a, you know, it's a, again, like, I think any cool character in a Western or anything, it's, they're always quite stoic and uh, they're the calm, yeah. cool, and collect guys under pressure. And it's, uh, you know, you, you, you know, it's, 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 it is it's the guy you want to be you know it's yeah just, uh, but I don't that's know whether... it for me is that it has that ideal and i mean christianity we could look at that like christianity has kind of emerged out of that so what i think happened i was talking about this at the weekend actually interesting talking about myth um that we all kind of we've told all these stories again and again to try and remind ourselves of who to be and they all became aggregated and then out of that we pulled the figure of Christ as kind of the king of kings. Yeah, the so ideal. Like the yeah, ideal yeah. man. And that mm-hmm. Aurelius and guys like this are also kind of maybe earlier figures of this ideal man that we've kind of latched onto maybe because we're not a yeah. religious society anymore. But that we're actually kind of doing the same thing, which is trying to find a dramatic representation of our lives that we can live out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, again... Uh, if you look at the decline of the Catholic Church in Ireland in the space mm-hmm. of 20 years, it's it's quite amazing to me because uh, the whole countryside is littered with examples of this yeah. institutional myth, right? You know, and mm-hmm. the most beautiful, splendid buildings across the yeah. whole country and, and yeah. more and more becoming unused in a sense. Their, mm-hmm. uh, their, their use is, is falling by the wayside. And yeah. it just goes to show like how, how such powerful institutions yeah. can, can, can deteriorate, right? Yeah. But, amazingly somehow stoicism has managed to kind of make its way and adapt yeah Mm -hmm. well it's meant to adapt though it's meant to it's meant to it's not meant to be a static philosophy and it's not meant to stay the same i think christianity is probably its downfall actually is Mm -hmm. is it's very static right and Mm -hmm. stoicism is lucky in that it doesn't um it doesn't rely upon you know myth all that much to, to mm-hmm. it's it's it is more scientific and in, in it's a very philosophy. practical and very much yeah. focused on your behavior and your the human there's no, condition there's no arguments in stoicism about whether or not that is actually the blood of marcus aurelius or not right you know, there's, <laughs> yeah there's, there's no, no they don't waste culture. they don't waste time on that they they would yeah. see that as a as rhetoric and, and yeah. sophists like yeah. do it. it's just pointless you know it's not going to yeah. help you in your day to day do you think that's what then has taken the catholic church then i mean that and the corruption obviously but just the corruption of the institution is, is just overwhelmed it yeah. but then and a failure to adapt i think is correct yeah a failure, a failure to like, adapt. it's been yeah. so yeah it's so weird i mean i was completely born in exact opposition to the church like uh, such mm-hmm. a fucking vicious atheist i remember the other day uh in religion class in school um when the gideons came in and they would they went around giving bibles to everybody and i made a point of refusing to take a bible with these like three gideons around my desk thinking yeah. i was like i don't know some sort of Che Guevara or something being like no way but well, little did i know there's there's so much wisdom in the past which we are in our small lives desperately mm-hmm. need uh, yeah, I, I think so I think I do think that it was a failure to adapt. And you know what? I I just just off the top of my head, there I recall like uh, the primary school that I went to. Uh, it was it was pretty diverse, like mm-hmm. particularly for I think the time in Ireland. But you know, Rathmines in general, it's uh, 
like where I grew up, it's I think it is like the most diverse part of Ireland, mm-hmm. if I'm not like it's very high concentration of people, and it's an interesting place in that you get like quite wealthy people, you get quite poor people, you get middle class, you get everyone. It's a whole mixed bag, and you often get like people from all over the world really often stay here in in in, the, in short term lets or or whatever. But we had a lot of people from all over different parts of the world in our primary school, and, and I recall going in to do our, you know, communion or confirmation, whichever one it was. And mm. and there was the whole class would go down to the church down the road, you know, yeah. but about six, seven or more, like out of a class of 20 or whatever it was, you know, 25, maybe that there was like a whole bunch of kids who just had to sit in the back of the church and yeah. read a book because they weren't partaking in it. <laughs> that was me, and bro. it's like, oh, it's like, yeah, but it's like, fuck me, like how? Like, that's one way to separate children for no necessary. Yeah. You know, it's not necessary. You know, it's 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 it was one way to divide yeah. up an entire class. Well, that's what I wouldn't like, even you know? do religion class, like in yeah. Um, that yeah, initially I was to sit out of it, but it is it's a whole and it's not something that's actually filled very easily i mean the the reason we have these culture wars and the reason we have all these ideologies is because we have this religious impulse and we will make religion of things mm-hmm. even um, if they're yeah. not religions we'll we'll start to we'll take political problems or economic problems and make them into you could even take something like sobriety and that could become a religious a moral thing well, as yeah. opposed to it's actually just something maybe that you're doing for your health or something. You I'm have... two months off the booze right now. Oh, congratulate. Yeah. You must be. Yeah. And geez, so it's good. good listening to Hannah's podcast. That was, oh man, Hannah was really She's good. such an inspiration. I've said her about 50 million times, but she is just like flying she's, the flag. She's, she's, she's a great woman. And talking absolute sense. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, so well that, that's, uh, you know, that, the religious uh, side of human thinking i suppose mm-hmm. is is you want to simplify the world there's and you yeah. know if you think about mm-hmm. like the times you know hundreds of years ago or even to the present day and that you want explanations for things you want to yeah. know why it is that you've lost your two-year-old child's sickness mm-hmm. you know and, and it's not as simple as you know yeah. you can't take this explanation that well there was a certain disease and mm-hmm. and it wasn't it was mal- malnutrition or something it's like you know you you wanted to mm-hmm. latch on to meaning and, and there has to be a reason for this yeah. terrible tragedy to take to come across you right yeah. and so that's the distinction with stoicism is that they they said no the only answer to this is is our own reason uh, we have to come across we have to come over these emotions and feelings we can't allow ourselves to be taken away by uh you know you know a sort of a, a storyline they well yeah that's it. but also in doing that they kind of provide an answer to the problem because we do yeah we need yeah, coherence, well, it, as yeah. you pointed out like we need to feel like there's it certain events like that open up kind of a hole in our lives and we're not satisfied until we can find an answer that fits and sometimes we use substitute answers to put it in but maybe that creates more problems than it solves and i suppose yeah. they do have it has outcomes in your life for what you want and for getting what you want and for pursuing, you know, your life and relationships. And stoicism may be the answer to that question of the suffering is kind of like, you know, that's the gig. Yeah. I I would love for uh, a lot of churches maybe to be replaced with uh, stoic ceremonies. (laughs) We'll just go back to the old paganism. uh, Yeah. I mean, every Sunday, well, uh, I don't know. Stoic lecture. That'd be the idea again with stoicism is that it's not supposed to center around any one person and it's uh, yeah. you know but the problem then you might get is well maybe christianity was the same initially but then mm-hmm. you get uh, power hungry motherfuckers who yeah will uh, abuse their 
stance. Their well, yeah, I, I, as I've said on the podcast so many times, like I have no idea how to reconcile organized religion with mm. the religious ideas that I've come to understand. Like me being in a church is like probably you being in a mosque or a synagogue. Mm-hmm. Like I don't understand yeah, yeah. any I of it. So. I yeah. literally sit there like with the stand up, sit down, say prayers, and none of it has. I like I don't understand it. I understand, but I was blown away. Like I went to St. Peter's Basilica, and I mm-hmm. was like, it it just reminded me like it was a big play or something. It was like theater. Yep. Yeah. I, but a play that I didn't understand, and that was like the most amazing story possible. But I just I'm didn't usually, get it. I'm usually too <laughs> intrigued in the construction of the church itself. Yeah, to ever even think about it. I'm just so taken aback about the beauty and the craftsmanship. But they into they it. did that knowingly. Like the churches yeah. and the cathedrals were supposed to be representations of the soul in mm-hmm. line with that um, sort of metaphysical principle, designed to be like harmony of culture and nature. Where yeah. they look like you know forests, but they have the same kind of so beautiful. Buildings. Like did yeah. you, I just you, you know, even in a day and age where you can mass produce things, you never get buildings that beautiful again. And uh, this or people that point, cared about buildings that or, much. or people who cared about it, right? You <laughs> know, we don't really I, do that anymore. We're just no, like, we'll just build I mean, the fucking building. I'm actually working on a church at the moment, so oh, like, yeah? there's no, yeah, yeah, Molly New Church, and it's yeah. um, the section that we're working That's on is an old, yeah, it was an old blind asylum, and just being in that building every day, well, the craftsmanship that went into it. This is yeah. a hundred and hundred and seventy year old building, wow. and uh, every day when you're inside of it, it's like it's just it, it's amazing to me the things that they were capable of doing and the mm-hmm. thought and effort that they put into it yeah it's it's astounding now it mm-hmm. took i believe it took 11 years to build yeah right? so but these guys were you know they didn't have cranes or machines there was guys with picks and shovels and yeah. uh, and, and and winches and stuff like that you know and mm-hmm. so the effort that went into it, it's so incredible um so you have a lot of empathy for the job that they have to do considering you know oh, how you're doing it but with all I, that equipment i cannot believe it i lift like one of the stones that they lift and it's all of my strength and energy and yeah. they're doing that every day with hundreds of these blocks you know these stones this this granite blocks it's incredible but um on and nothing is off a single millimeter everything is completely perfect and the the building has stood the test of time i make that point in uh in the previous article on death in that mm-hmm. You know, we we often like in our buildings previously in cities, we did design them quite often with the with more philosophy in mind, in that we we centered we we made death a more prominent mm-hmm. part of our lives. You know, whereas today everything is very banal and there's not much thought really. Yeah, either, the beauty, you know? the idea of beauty that goes into them a lot that it's supposed to represent the kind of I mean their motivation for building a church like that. I mean, why not just slap something up? Like, why yeah. make it? Why try and make it so perfect or so beautiful? Mm -hmm. And why, what would motivate you to do that? The belief. And some churches, I mean, have been being built like Sagrada Familia for like fucking 300 years or something. You're building a church you're never even going to get to see. And you're like, what is the, (laughs) you know, I can barely fucking write an article for more than a week. Or I'm like, ah, God, we'll do another one. (laughs) What's quite funny as well, right, is that within Stoicism, I mean, like, you're literally, it's a stoop. It's a fucking stoop. You're like, right, that's your (laughs) lot. You're happy with the step that you're on. You know, if you're not happy, if you're not fucking happy here, you won't be happy anywhere else. So deal with it, right? And then some cunt comes with a fucking power hose and like power court steps or some shit and washes you down and tells you to get the fuck off go somewhere else like you know <laughs> fuck off that's trim. that's the irish reaction to it you know we're like ah <laughs> some fella took a piss around the corner mm. the other week so no one's allowed to use us anymore 
You know? I'd say Irish <laughs> philosophy definitely has serious parallels with it because I suppose I our history so, yeah. has been so bloody and so absolutely. Think uh, about how uh, <laughs> you know, like very passive. I suppose we've been beat into passiveness. <laughs> yeah, we're so chill just because of the the PTSD that's been passed down. But well, isn't, um, isn't it? Isn't it interesting when you look back on like Irish rebellious history and how often yeah. it was like a handful of lads being like, "Come on, let's do this," and everyone else is just yeah. like. Uh, yeah, maybe. What, what day are you going? <laughs> Wed- you going on Wednesday? Oh, Man. I have to do this thing. Look, I'll let Nobody you know. shows you up know? to the rebellion. You're like, ah, oh, lads. <laughs> no, no one shows up, but by the time people know that it's Boys. on and they go, they're like, oh, fuck, this is already over, man. Because they know mm-hmm. they're all going to get martyred. Like, they have them. <laughs> there was an interesting one. I was chatting to my dad about it, actually, because he was writing a thing about Catholic martyrs, about mm. when Protestantism came into effect, um, King Henry made a rule that you could, as a Protestant, kill any Catholics legally and take That's their right. property. Yeah. I think that was in the early uh, 1600s. Yeah, 1640s, I'm guessing, thereabouts, probably. I'm not yeah, sure the exact date, but tumultuous that, time this here. resulted in tons of Catholic martyrs, basically. They were martyred for their faith. So they were told, unless they converted, they'd be killed. So mm-hmm. And not just killed, like disemboweled, burned, hung up from trees, decapitated. like All, all the good stuff. And uh, Epictetus would way. probably, Epictetus would reply to that and be like, all right, well, <laughs> yeah. are you going to do that now or can I have my lunch first? That's so, yeah. man, it just reminds me of the life of Brian. Do you ever see that where he's like, crucifixion's a double? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. He's like, look, you you know, I don't, my body's not even my own. Do what you like. I mean, yeah. you can't, you can't, you can't mm. fuck with me. Basically, you know, there's a good story of him having his leg broken. I don't know if it was by Nero or by one of them that his master was torturing him and just rotated his leg. And he said, if you keep doing that, it's going to break. And then it broke. (laughs) And he goes, see what you've done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I think, I don't know, your man was slagging him or something. And and he just goes, well, do you know what? Lameness is an impediment of the leg, not the mind. And it's like the most badass. Imagine. like oh. if someone said that to you it's like shooting someone in the in the fucking neck and then just being like do it again you yeah know? no problem man. the neck <laughs> no is problem. just a neck yeah yeah <laughs> the neck is just a neck it's not even my own I, you know so yeah, it's, yeah, it's powerful i i really i didn't get into epitetus <clears throat> as much because i bought a weird book it's just his book i think it's just a yeah. collection of his writings but i don't think it's been very well translated because they're very, uh, like, I, if anyone's looking to get get them i'd certainly just recommend like the penguin classics are probably the most yeah letters of a stoic seneca meditation yeah. discourses yeah. of epitetus donald robson robertson's books uh how to think like a Roman emperor. It's brilliant. It's uh, a very good philosophy of cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, but also one that I've had there for, I actually have this for work. So I take five minutes every day to read this in work now is, uh, is, uh, is Ryan holidays. Uh, was yeah. it 365 uh, stoic so mantras or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. every day, you know, you go on to mm-hmm. another teaching and, it's beautiful. It just takes two minutes, man. You read it and you're like, oh, yeah, his one, the obstacle is the way is supposed to be very good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, He's the more, so Ryan holiday is the, the more you know he's a modern day stoic i suppose you call he's a you know he's uh if you if you want to learn about stoicism quite easily youtube he's got those videos with the daily stoic and yeah yeah it's a great entry into the philosophy and then it's interesting to just think about people who kind of embody that for you and again jocko willink is probably one for Mm -hmm. me and then donald robertson as well and and, uh the interest the interesting link with cbt and Mm -hmm. and uh and then you think about characters, probably your favorite characters throughout TV series and movies. They're yeah. oftentimes people who take on that, the harsh who challenges. Embody those characters. And the values of Stoicism, I think, which are like wisdom, temperance, courage. Um, what was the other one? It wasn't beauty. 
I can't oh, remember what uh, that. Yeah, I should uh, probably. I've been. Sp- I spent like all weekend reading, and I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're kind of the basics. It, gone. I suppose applying the path of wisdom to your life. I mean, that's kind of that's a higher order moral principle which you can follow. So, like we talked about, people not being able to talking at each other and having these difficulties in communicating. If you're both looking for the truth, it'll take you over the hurdles that are in between you. It'll yeah. It's a way of connecting things together that don't make rational sense, but it it has this kind of this power to to pull out what could happen, I suppose, to create the to actualize the what's potential in that you might not be able to do unless you follow this principle yeah 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 by telling and, the truth um, and by saying you know by and following again, wisdom. Like, these are all habitual like these are all habits that you can build over time slowly yeah. but surely i mean i've only really delved into stoicism heavily in the last few months although that said i've kind of through trial and error without knowing it i've been doing a lot of these things over the last yeah. few years mm-hmm. and they've, they've they've definitely stood to me you know i find uh i find it very easy to uh so there's a there's a saying it's persist uh persist and resist so i find it easy to uh to kind of all right i'm not going to drink for like a couple of months whatever mm-hmm. and I, it's just I've, I've over over years of sort of taking things away you know yeah. to test myself is it social media the news or yeah. drinking or whatever it may be mm-hmm. all right i'm going to change that and then i'm going to persist in in trying to do whatever it is aside from you know if i'm not drinking all right well i'm going to go to bed early i'm going to get up and i'm going to exercise or yeah. i'm going to read and i'm, I'm going to you know whatever try and do better and work and stuff like that so i'm going to compensate it's all about compensating you yeah. know uh, and again it's a balance man everything everything just comes back to the, to a balance and so i love that um it's, it's very corny looking to most people now i suppose but you know the um the the sort of uh the black white with two dots in the middle so like that's your foot in either side right and that yeah. like you're standing in between your this is your balance and mm-hmm. and this is this is quite important i think in in today for people and, and particularly like you see in politics so often it's like there's yeah. very stark divides but really you know without the left there is no right and without yeah. you know and these things need each other to actually exist. yeah and that the truth comes balance. above all the rest of that Mm-hmm. That's yeah. kind so of somewhere the, somewhere in the middle there there's a there's a there's a there's a, gra- there's a truth grounded in between somewhere. those two and it's not know? any one person's nobody owns it no. we all have to try and cooperate to find it um the last stoic value was justice and the yes. moral instinct yeah um exactly to discern i suppose right from wrong that's another interesting thing i suppose that they say that virtue is its own reward and vice its own punishment. So it's yeah. kind of like the idea of karma where it's like what you do is what happens to you. So if you do it's if you do virtue, you'll you know, your life will be better. If you're doing vice, it's gonna create in you more desire for more trouble. So you'll find this story in in uh, Epictetus when you read it, it's very funny. He talks yeah. about uh someone stole his lamp, right? And yeah. uh, he said, Well, I can just go and buy another lamp. I'll get a cheaper one next time. It'll, you know, it'll, it'll attract less thieves anyway. Yeah. However, the person who, the thief who, who, who stole that lamp from me, okay, he's up a lamp and I'm down a lamp, let's say. Yeah. But he, he's also damaged his character. He's proved to himself that he's no longer trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, he's, yeah. he's, he's damaged, he's damaged himself. Whereas me, it's actually given me the opportunity to, uh, to practice, you know, uh, calmness and forgiveness, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like whatever he, whatever he, um, 
with everything that ever happens to you, there's always an opportunity lying in there somewhere. And, you know, it's, I think I would have been a very pessimistic person for a long time, especially throughout my teenage years. But, you know, you can, you can switch that. And, and again, it's habitual. If you can change that kind of, okay, well, where's the positive in this? Where's yeah. the opportunity? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, like someone just cut me off and yeah. nearly ran me over on my bike, but it's an opportunity for me to actually show restraints and, yeah. and just understanding, I suppose, okay, fuck it. This person probably wasn't paying attention to what they're doing. Maybe they're distracted because whatever it is that they're having a bad day. Now that said, I freaked the fuck out at someone the other week for doing exactly just that. <laughs> it's like and throw you on the news, throwing a break at them. Like, lo- yeah, local man, like, at Philly Hall. <laughs> like I have, I have a bad temper, and this is why stoicism is <laughs> it comes in handy for me if, yeah. if I can put it into practice. Right, but you know, like this guy nearly hits me and and my friend off our bikes by being a careless yeah. driver. Yeah. And instead of you know the the good thing to do would have been you know just brush it off and don't react just it is what it is yeah. uh, instead i got off my bike and started threatening to kill this person like you know so nice. <laughs> nice. and then he, and then he said you know and then he said fuck not to you, encourage you, bald- yeah fuck people. you you baldy prick and i said i'm not bald mate i'm just shaving my head and then he called me a call me a stead head and i was like fucking what's that all right that's it's a steroid abuser, and I said, that's the best fucking compliment I've yeah, gotten in I months. Yeah, I am Jack, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it, but what you were saying, that story with Epictetus, um, the, that kind of runs really central to Stoicism, is that, you know, a good character is the only guarantee of a carefree, happy existence. Yeah. Because if you corrupt your character, you're always looking over your shoulder. You're always like, your conscience is always going to is always going to be in you. So exactly. whatever about the world, you'll know that you've kind of, you've gone against yourself in this sense. You've betrayed your inner authority. There's a, a Newton's uh, third law, I think it is. It's mm-hmm. uh, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And I think that rings so true with, with morals, particularly, yeah. and, and just your actions in the world. Like there, yeah. ne- there's no free lunch in the world. There's ne- never no. anything that doesn't have consequence. You know, no. for every time every time that you slack off of work or you know yeah. you do something that you shouldn't have like mm-hmm. there is a consequence to that and uh yeah. it, again it can happen you know through habits like you, your habits have now taken a hit you've, you've now gained a, a worse off habit you yeah. know and i and i know i've heard you say this before it was something like you know do every you know every 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 choice that you make is a vote towards what type of person that you want to be exactly to. i was just thinking that man that it's like the story that you tell yourself even if you get away with it you're going to damage your own self-respect because right, yeah, next exactly. time you go into that situation, you're going to know. And we all mm-hmm. do things that betray ourselves at times and that aren't that yeah. good. But if you make that your path in life, um, you're going to suffer immensely because of it. And you're going to know it inside. No reward will be enough. Yeah. It will yeah. always be a damaged character. And exactly. that's, you know, a punishment um, in itself. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a very like grounding sense in stoicism as well and that like you know it just treats everything as 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 equal really and and there's a good uh there's a good quote there for for uh alexander the great and his mm-hmm. mule driver both yeah. reduced to dust made equals by death and yeah. it's like no matter what status you had in life mm-hmm. ultimately the most powerful man in the history of the world and his mule driver just meet the same fate you know so there's the there's the the sort of the hollowness that the the Stoics would find in chasing so much wealth, chasing and the so status much, and all right. that, that it's fleeting. Yeah. So, like again, it's not that you shouldn't do these things. It's not yeah. that you shouldn't push yourself. It's a prefer everything positive like that is preferred. 
Yeah. But again, not at the expense of your character. Like there's no point yeah. in all right, you can make you can make a, a, a thousand euro today, right? But what do you have to do for it? If it was something that was going against your values, would you do it? And I think a lot of people would. And then it's like, is money the only thing that we value? You know, yeah. really? Yeah. I, I, like every every time that we choose money over something that we think is right or wrong mm-hmm. and we go down the wrong path, well, it's not just that we're gaining a thousand euro. We're also yeah. losing something. You're losing something what could be in the alternative. It's something I've been thinking about a lot because I've been making a lot of plans. and I've been really trying to like obviously trying to be a writer and to make a living out of writing and really mm-hmm. hammering down on that, trying to do my best and just throw myself against the wall. But you realize when you become so fixed on an outcome, you lose the possibility of adventure because there's all these other yeah. things. Like we don't necessarily know what our fixed destiny is or what, you know, what we're actually, what the best thing to be doing is. So if you fall in love with the false God or with something that you idolize, what you lose really is what your life actually could be or what it you lose your freedom actually yeah. that's that's a point with epictetus would make is that like mm. every time that you enslave yourself to uh, a pursuit you yeah. actually you 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 enslave yourself so yeah. every, like let's say you know it's like i am going to make uh getting this car my yeah. number one priority Mm-hmm. And nothing else is going to get in my way. Well, now you're enslaved to that idea. And, yeah. and anything that gets in your way, be it your friends or your family or any other thing, is now second to that. And you'll yeah. and people will do what they what they have to do or what they feel like they have to do mm-hmm. to pursue those goals. Yeah. And and he makes a very, you know, interesting point in that, you know, with the people that you associate with are very important for that reason. Because mm-hmm. if you want good friends, Mm-hmm. You have to find out exactly what it is that they value. Do those friends value other friends and family mm-hmm. as much as they value, let's say, you know, a better, you know, a status on mm-hmm. uh, more status or or more wealth or something like that? Yeah. Because if, if wealth and status are above their friendship and family desires or, or what they uh, deem as valuable, then they will put those first and you will be second. And, uh, yeah. and so, so that's very, you know, and it's, it's, and you'll suffer the consequences. It's, it's deep, you know. There's something yeah. along the lines of if you, if you, um, you know, if you, if you, if you roll with people who are who are muddy, or if you associate with people who are muddy, eventually, you know, it's uh, yeah, you get down with dogs, you wake up with fleas mm-hmm. or something. There's yeah, an interesting or, antidote to that in Seneca, which is I kind of thought it was like an antidote to greed, which is that if you desire something very badly, um, and how to figure out if it's he says natural or not, but in that case, it would be like yeah. good or bad. Um, you have to decide, ask yourself whether it is capable of coming to rest at any point. If after going a long way, there is always something remaining farther away, be sure it is not something natural. So if you're always chasing money for the sake of money mm-hmm. and there, there's never going to be enough money, there, you're not going to be like, okay, no. this is enough. Like if it's a million what about a million and one? What about two million? What about three million? Absolutely. So yeah. to be aware of these false paths that you can fall down that are just endless, you know, they're kind of, they're a trap in itself that yeah. you can just kind of hamster wheel on. Yeah. And, and again, look, a lot of these things are, as well, as they would say, is preferred, but not, there. there is a co- there is a price to everything. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Everything. Oh, I'm totally not against earning money or fast cars or any of that shit, to be honest. <laughs> But um, it is just if that's the end in itself, it becomes mm. all consuming. Yeah, and and they would say also as well is that uh, you know again you have what the Stoics would call indifferent. You know, it's the mm-hmm. things that are neither bad nor good; they're just indifferent. And and wealth they would view as indifferent, but how you utilize it and spend yeah. it or how you earn it is yeah. not. 
it, that yeah. that could be done through good or bad means. You know? Yeah. Oh um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Yeah. yeah so, so yeah, it's again, it's so relevant to today. I feel like. You know? It is. It's always just, yeah, strikes me as so modern, as I've said a few times. That's why it's so useful. And it fills a hole. It fills a hole that's needed for a lot of people, for everybody, not just necessarily mm-hmm. young men, but yeah. um, a path of discipline or a, an ideal that you can follow. And I think their ideal of wisdom, temperance, you know, the kind of self-mastery, justice, courage, that's pretty good. I mean, if you could be, if you could be doing some of that in your life, I think people would really admire it. And yeah, that would be a good thing. And again, just continuous behavior and it's going to instill those habits. And, uh, and Mm -hmm. you know, if you're doing the, the bad behaviors, it's going to confirm those old ones as well. It's yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, like it's, 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 it it is very valuable. I, I really recommend anyone who's interested in it to, to um, check it out this has just been out, a you know? nearly two hour advertisement for stoicism <laughs> like we're, yeah. not, we're not getting paid by them we're sponsored is, content yeah. we're volunteers but this podcast is <laughs> exactly sponsored yeah. by the ghost of epitaphs yeah. one is a <laughs> one is a balding fat builder and the other one is the other one's a failed writer you know? hey fa- what the hell or, or, or should i say <laughs> let me fail first all right? <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry one is a balding builder and the other is a failing writer, a failing so, writer yeah. that's better all right it's in process so do you mind well, yeah, I really my, enjoyed this man, and again, it's yeah. nice. It's the first person I've talked to in eight weeks, as I have lived like a monk and not socialized. Or <laughs> man, well, I appreciate <laughs> you coming on and always an illuminating conversation, man. Yeah, and, and also, uh, not that I've been talking, but I have been listening, and I've been listening to a lot of people who really appreciate this podcast, and they sound sweet, brother. Good to hear a man. lot of uh, a lot of a lot of value, and I think it will continue to do so as well. So, hundred percent, more conversations, more ideas. And get a bit more community, I think, is the aim yeah. of it in the end. 100%. But All right, dude. Appreciate it, brother. Talk I'll to you later. Chat to you soon. Boom. Congratulations. You just sat through two hours of hardcore thinking. You must be absolutely inspired right now. I really hope you enjoyed that chat with myself and Philly and are considering possibly looking into Stoicism yourself and learning a bit more about these ancient arts and feeling connected to your roots in history. If you want to support the podcast, there is a link to the Bios a Coffee page in the description. Also, you can pick up my book if you want to support me and help me not be a failing writer, um, which would be very much appreciated. You can get it at the link in my bio. It's $7.99 for uh, the next while on sale. Collection of 12 short stories which are comedic and philosophical about ordinary people with deep moral problems that we can all relate to. Yeah, I'd love to know what you think about it. And as always, stay saucy. Oh.